the road to recovery. You might be cruising down it. A friend or family member lost on it. Or the road is, well, still under construction. Relevant Recovery Radio is about getting to that destination of normal health, mind, or strength. Now, Relevant Recovery Radio, here to give you the keys, Heather and Donnie Mosier. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm your host, Heather Mosier. My other half, Donnie, he's not here with me today. He's in Paris, France, <laughs> and uh, so it's just me, and I'll get to my guest in just a second. I would love to say, to let you know, that the Matthews Hope Foundation sponsors this show. We have an amazing two-week detox, followed with two years of free aftercare. Um, our detox portion is located inside St. Joseph's Hospital downtown, and then if you complete our program and choose abstinence-based recovery, you get a recovery coach assigned to you free for two years. Your insurance companies never build other than the detox, which is pretty amazing. And we have an amazing sobriety success rate. Around 85 to 90% of all of our recovery support clients are staying sober. And that's just unheard of. So I have a special guest in studio with me today. He's a good friend of mine. His name is David Ludlow. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. David's here um, to talk about something called Mindset. Exciting stuff. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, you and I uh, are both in recovery. And I don't know about you, but the way I think now is very, very different than the way I thought for 30 years before. Had to be. Completely different. Had to be. And um, I can't actually describe that to people, you know, how different I am or how my mind is different. And so I'm excited to talk about this topic today that I believe a mind is a terrible thing to waste. No, you're absolutely right. And you know, that shift in mindset has to happen. I mean, even if you're not even in recovery, but especially for us that are in recovery, especially right. in early stages, um, you know, you been to treatment, I've been to treatment, you know, I work Five for times yeah, I went to treatment. I mean, I work for a treatment center as well. Yep. I mean, and something, you know, when I'm asking and talking to my patients all the time, it's like when we start talking about how you want to be successful, mm -hmm. if you think you're going to be successful with the same mindset it's that you came happen. in with, it's never going to work. So explain for a moment, what do, what do you mean by mindset? So that mindset is kind of a belief set that, that influences how we feel, yeah. you know, and how we think and how we behave, yeah. most importantly, in certain situations. And that's found, you know, and that foundation is rich within the circumstances that have happened in our lives. Right. That transforms that that It writes that on the thinking. slate of That's, who you become. Exactly. Yeah. And then for us that are in recovery, when you start complicating an already kind of trauma-based mm -hmm. brain yeah. at that point. Toss a little heroin in the mix. Yeah, you know, drugs, <laughs> alcohol, what you know, whatever the case is, is and and it just gets worse. It does. Well it and, gets better at first. Right. Quiets the storm of my mind. Because we get comfortable. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Right. But then it, it, it stops working. And and then and then we get into like kind of the two different sets of mindset, that, that fixed mindset versus a growth mindset. Uh -huh. And that fixed mindset to me is just paralyzing. It's just like the defaults of the way your mind works. And it's exactly where we get paralyzed in this disease, where where it's yeah. fear based at that point. Yeah. And we get so enriched that we're so afraid to try or do anything different. Mm -hmm. We're so afraid of what other people are gonna think. Yeah. We're so afraid just again to try. Yeah. And because fear of failure, fear of unknown. Because we get comfortable in the pain. Do you think complacency does kill? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can look at back at my experience and I got sober at thirty four. And so I'm 40 now, but 
I'm, I only was on heroin for four years, but I'm saying for 34 years, my mindset was negative. Mm-hmm. I complained all the time. Uh, my husbands didn't pay enough attention to me. My kids were annoying. My house wasn't big enough. My job didn't appreciate me. I didn't make enough money. Like, I was so focused on what I didn't have, never what I did. Oh, absolutely. Have. I mean, and I was the same way. I mean, it happened to me in high school. I mean, I had a great upbringing, had everything I needed, not everything I wanted. And that's why I started making the choices that, that I had. Because once I got spiritually disconnected mm-hmm. as a child or, you know, a teenager, started doing things. Yeah. That was poisoning my mind. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder that things kind of turned out the way they did. My experience is similar. It really, my, I had good parents. I had a good upbringing. But man, I was so entitled. I was so entitled, you too. man. Yeah. You too, right? <laughs> I was just so entitled and you didn't do this and you didn't do that right. And I was arrogant. I mean, God still hasn't removed all of that from me. But um, I complained all the time in my old life. Yeah, nothing was ever good enough. It was never good enough. But but here's the flip side. When we start viewing that into the world, right, then we start thinking we're not good enough. Yeah. And then we we tell ourselves, whether whether it's good or bad, right, you tell yourself enough things especially negative. You believe them. You start to believe them. Absolutely. And then that becomes your reality. Then you get fixed, that fixed mindset. You become paralyzed. You get complacent. You just stop growing. Give our listeners some real life examples of fixed mindset. So, you know, I think within a fixed mindset where it's you just think that your way is the only way to do things. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, you're not open-minded to anything else. You know what I I just thought of something while you're saying that? You know what I see a lot because I work in a detox? Yep. People have a fixed mindset that they're going to have to stay on a certain medication for their anxiety for the rest of their life. Absolutely. Like that's an example of a fixed mindset in my mind. I'm like, well, maybe not. You may, maybe, maybe not, not. right? <laughs> but, but that's the thing. When, when we start ho- hopefully reaching folks to start thinking differently mm-hmm. and if they're open-minded to it yeah. and there's a little bit of willingness mm-hmm. – that transformation happens. How that do you trans- get people to be open-minded to it? I think it's just you got to communicate with them. Yeah. I think you just got to be real. You got to meet, really, the biggest thing, you can't talk at people. Yeah. You got to meet them where they're at. Right. Or, or you'll never reach them. It definitely takes a level of compassion and empathy to yeah. really show. My way wasn't working. Exactly. But I needed people to show me in very specific ways. That but, you, my- <laughs> but you said it best. You didn't have to do it alone either. No. You got you to gotta get uncomfortable yeah. being... Or you got to get comfortable being, being uncomfortable, uncomfortable, right? Yeah. And that's a that's to me, and certainly for me, was my biggest shift in my mindset in early recovery. And then there, you know, we'll talk a little bit later on a couple of the things that that I do and some of the people I I follow and the things that I look at mm-hmm. that has helped me get to that process. Now, early on, who are some of your biggest mentors or guideposts that helped you? Sure, sure. So there's still a couple of people that I follow really close today. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the folks are recovery-based, some of them not. Right. But what they talk about is relevant to what we do, right? right. Um, Ed Milet is a big one. He's a big, big public speaker. And I love and I just capture capture everything that he talks about. There's another one, Dr. Shauna Shapiro, who I just adore. Um, her specialty is in mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Jablin, Dr. Rob Kelly, my good friend. Oh, I know um, Rob Kelly. You know, the world famous addictionologist. Those those people start are my mentors. Start there. People can look heroes. them up and start there. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We will be right back.
Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We're talking about mindset with my good friend David Ludlow. You know, here's here's something interesting. This morning, I was randomly reading my morning meditation thingy thing. And um, thing. my morning meditation thingy thing happened to know what I was about to talk to you about today. Um, and it gave a picture. It was talking about an orchid and how it's really, really hard to get an orchid to bloom. And it, it requires lots of things. It requires a certain kind of soil, certain kind of humidity, certain kind of water and temperature and something. But if you get all the conditions right, it's a beautiful bloom, beautiful flower, beautiful plant. And it was asking me to look in my own areas of life where I have incorrect soil or incorrect humidity or in, in my thinking, in my mindset. And in what ways can I identify and become aware and spiritually grow um, to continue on this path, which is what we happen to be talking about today. <laughs> crazy how that works, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's super important because awareness is half the battle. Yeah. And, and, and it's about the action that we take, mm-hmm. right? It's about what do we do about it once we have the information. Yeah. Um, you know, and then with that backside of mindset, it's the mindfulness it, it, it's how we pay attention to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't have to be a self-deprecating, oh, look, I'm making another thinking mistake. Right, right. <laughs> you because know, it's when, like, oh. And, okay. and when we want to get into a mindset of transformation, right, and there is n- zero, absolutely zero amount of shame or guilt. Mm-hmm. In fact, the thought and, and the emotions that are associated with thought and guilt actually shut down the growing centers of the brain. Right. And so- Okay, well, if we want to get into that growth mindset, well, guess what? We got to start talking about ourselves differently. We got to start thinking about ourselves differently. Okay, but how do we do that, right? Mm -hmm. And so, Dr. Shauna Shapiro is a is a PhD. She she studies mindfulness. Is somebody that I follow a lot. I I share a lot with my and mindfulness is a very trendy word to throw around. But what does it mean? But she's been doing this for twenty years. You (laughs) know, I mean, so she's been practicing this. You know, Um, and again, a lot of what she talks about is is. When she talks about mindfulness, it's it's that that awareness and being present in the moment. Mm-hmm. But 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 even a little bit more than that, it's the attention. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the intentional. It's the attention we pay intentionally to the situation that we're currently in. That we're currently in. A lot of people stay stuck in reliving the past and mm-hmm. are always re-traumatized by their past, and they're not living in the present. Other people, me, I tend to future trip. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, how's this day going to go? Or how? what's on my calendar a week from now? And, you know, and it's like, I have to slow down because God's in the now. Yes. God's in the right now. I need to be in the right now. And I struggled with that for so long. Another way that I struggled with mindfulness around like self when I was newly sober, I was one that was always worried about going to meetings or picking up a chip and people staring at me. Or I, I had so much social anxiety. And my sponsor told me back then, Heather, you have to act your way into new thinking. You do yes. not think your way into new acting. You have to act as if. You have 100%. to act your way into new thinking. And I still remember, that was six years ago, I still remember that conversation that when I'm afraid of something, I need to face it head on and be willing to take some intensive, specific actions in order to outgrow that. Otherwise, yeah. I'll stay stuck in it forever. And it's easy to get sucked into the past. Yeah easy to get sucked into the past and then wander into the future yeah. and and she did a study um and it's been proven several times over the years but but she has found that our mind wanders on average 47 percent of the time I bet. so think about for that that we are missing 40 percent of what we're actually supposed to be yeah. aware of our literature talks about wasting energy foolishly mm-hmm. you know I was so worried about this thing or that thing or getting my ducks in a row and and our literature says that we we're 
a victim of the delusion that will rest satisfaction and happiness if we just managed well. And it's like this idea that if I just had my ducks in a row, if I just had what I think I want, then I'll be happy. But you, people like me and you, we get those things. Yeah. And then we're like, on to the next. What, exactly. You know? You know, and then when you started talking about the flower, right? It's But that's what recovery is about. We mm-hmm. have to start thinking about what what is it do we want to grow? Yeah. And how do we want to grow it? Right. I didn't so, know. I just wanted to be sober and stop shooting dope, you know? Right. <laughs> like I, but but I that had still no is clue. not enough. Right. It was like a progressive thing of me saying, like when I took this job at Matthew's Help, a lot of things that I've done in this this field, I've never done before. And it was scary. Same. And, <laughs> right? Same when I started my, 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 my path in recovery three yeah. years ago. And so I, at, first I, at first I felt insecure, like I'm going to screw it up. Um, and then it was that act as if act your way into new thinking. God's giving me these opportunities. I've got to step through it. God's going to give me the power to do whatever I'm needing to do here. Walk through the fear. And to I have to that courage. Through. Yep. Yeah. And now I love the job. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I remember my first week on the job, they, they were speaking Japanese <laughs> yeah. or some language. I had no clue to yep. what they were talking about. Um, you know, and, and I'm kind of blessed to be where I'm at yeah. do, doing what I'm doing, you know, but, but so much of, of this mindfulness thing, it just takes practice. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. As as progressive as the disease is, mm-hmm. our recovery is progressive too. Absolutely. I mean, you think vastly different today than you did 30 days sober. Yeah, sure. I, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. But it's the things, it's that structure and that's the discipline that I've instilled in my life today that's allowed me to practice. Mm-hmm. And when I practice these things, they just grow stronger. So it makes me think of something. I always relate things to like spiritual stuff because that's just heavy, heavy what was pounded into me getting sober. And I always explain to newly sober people, here's the deal. Your spiritual muscles have atrophied. They don't exist. Mm, You've been laying in a nursing home bed and you don't have these muscles. The whole deal. Yeah. And this is going to take diligence and consistency and patience and repetitive action. And sure enough, over time, you're going to grow spiritual muscles. Absolutely. And you're talking about this in, in just a thinking and thought pattern way, too. That And that's true. It's happened to me. I had a very negative, uh, my positive thinking skills had completely atrophied <laughs> for the first 34 years. And it's I'm six years sober now, and it's just taken me. And I'm a very positive, upbeat person 99% of the time now. I do not deal with the anxiety and the depression and, and the social you know, fears that I had. Right. It's just gone, and I can't really explain that other than this diligent action taking. Yeah, I mean, you get good at something when you practice it. Yeah, you know, and and so what again? What we practice goes stronger, you know, and that and it's again, it's that mindfulness and intentionally paying attention, but with kindness, you know, treating ourselves with just a little bit of kindness. Yeah, you know, there was an exercise when I was in treatment that they suggested that I do, and I thought it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Right, um, you know, get up in the morning. Go look at yourself in the mirror. And I avoided the mirror because I didn't like the person that was staring back at me, right? Right. And it was simply say, you know, good morning, David. I forgive you. Mm-hmm. Or good morning. I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Right. And they're like, well, how about just starting with good morning? Right. I'm like, well, maybe I'll try that. Yeah. And then lo and behold, after like two weeks, some of that forgiveness and started, I started to feel some yeah. of that love again. Yeah. And and I can't tell you why it works. It just works mm-hmm. because I was consistently telling myself this thing. Mm-hmm. And then- I just started to believe it, which again opened my mind that I could maybe grow and that that transformation might just be possible. So for help me. me wrap my brain around an idea that's popping in my head, and I don't even know if I can explain this properly. 
um, and we have two minutes till break. But for years, I tried to positive affirmation myself into some self-esteem, okay? I tried the loving note, kind of like what you're describing. And so I'm trying to figure out what the difference is because it worked for you. When I would put positive affirmations on my bathroom mirror and in my car and in my refrigerator and I'm repeating these things and saying these things out loud, maybe my mind was somewhere different at the time and I wasn't receptive to change. It fell flat for me then, but I have an opposite experience when I got sober and I'm seeking spiritual disciplines and stuff. I remember talking to my uh, sponsor about how insecure I was with my looks, just physical insecurities, period. And she made me make a list on a piece of paper, head to toe of everything physical I hated about myself. And so I did. I had no problem with that assignment, (laughs) you know, and I take it back to her and I show her and she's like, cool. Now for every single thing on that list, you're going to write a sentence thanking God for that thing. And that's what you're going to pray every morning here on out. And it felt ridiculously stupid to even write a thank you, God, for the hair on my big toe. Like, I'm not actually grateful for that. I don't understand here. What's the message here? I hated my freckles. Um, I always called them skin pollution. And so then I'm, now I love my freckles, but that's what's crazy. Something changed when I did that and I repeated it. Maybe, what do you think the difference was? I mean, for me at the beginning, it was just having faith that something different might work. And maybe I didn't have any faith back then. And and I did that exercise at the beginning. Mm -hmm. I can't say I do it now, but (laughs) I do other things today. It opened me to do other things today. Okay. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. I'm Heather Mosier. In studio, my friend David Ludlow. Hello. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. We're talking about mindset today and all the different ways we can change our thinking. We can change our thinking for sure. My thinking is completely different. Anybody can. I mean, transformational. The, the beauty of this is that transformational transformation is possible for anyone. Right. It just takes a little bit of willingness. So there's some things I'm not willing yet, and me maybe too. you can help me, but... I doubt it. The Lord hasn't been able to help me yet. But (laughs) on this, I'm so unwilling to exercise. And sometimes before your surgery, I know you had a surgery recently, but I see that how early you go to the gym and you put in this effort. And and I see other friends of mine that do that too. My friend Alicia invites me to the gym all the time with her. And in my mind, I want to go. But then I make all these excuses that I'm just so busy or I'm tired or, and I don't make time for it. And it doesn't sit right in my spirit anymore. And so I told you at the break, I did 20 minutes of yoga this morning, but I normally don't. How do I go from not being willing to exercise to being aware of it, willing, but but how do you get motivated again? So I had to trick myself. Okay. And this is probably n- not the normal situation, but I knew, you know, when I turned 50, it was like, all right, now I, you know, I've, I've worked on the spiritual part. Yeah. You know, I've worked on, on, on those aspects. I need to start working on the physical part. Yeah. Um, and so for me, I went out and joined the most expensive gym. <laughs> so it'll hurt. Your so pocketbook. The yeah. financial <laughs> commitment is what I, it, that, that oh, was the catch for me though. Yeah. I had to be financially committed to go. You know, that's when Donnie, my husband, David knows my husband, uh, when he had his um, gastric sleeve done, his because he lost like over a hundred pounds, mm-hmm. 
his doctor asked him to please pay cash. He said, if you file it with your insurance, you won't feel it. And, right. and if and it will just be a Band-Aid, and, and you'll blow it. You'll just eat yourself right back up. There's so much truth and, in that. And he had him pay cash. I Accountability. Like, I think it was like 18K. Yeah. And um, and he lost the weight. Right. And he changed his whole diet and exercise. you gotta have you got to have skin in the game. you got to have skin in the game. So how do I get skin in the game? I don't. I don't want to pay for a gym membership. Well, just go try it for a little bit instead. <laughs> so, so, so here's my mindset right now. So in January, I was like, all right, I've been going for 10 months yep. to the most expensive gym I could find, <laughs> going every single morning. Like really early. At 4 a.m. every crazy. single day. Yeah. January, I'm like, okay, I'm committed to go now. Yeah. So I go join something like, you know, $30, $40 that I could, you know, I'd drop that and not miss that today. Right. Thankfully enough. Thankful to recovery. And then I had this injury. Mm-hmm had my surgery in July. Mm-hmm. I've been cleared to get back and go do things. I've been a few times and I just can't get motivated. It's hard to get re-motivated. It's hard, like, a, because of the loss of the gains, but also kind of am like, I don't, I, I'm missing that that investment yeah. part of it. So, so at the beginning, it had to be investing in myself. And it wasn't just, oh yeah, I need to do this. I had to have some sort of, again, some sort of trick in my mind mm-hmm. or some financial commitment and, and because that, that's yeah. what the trigger was for me. Yeah. If I'm financially invested in something, yeah. then yeah. I'm- then You don't I'm, like throw away money. I don't like to throw away money, <laughs> right? Yeah, or, yeah or, me either. Yeah, I mean, and I like to do good things with it. Yeah. And I know that, so I guess the long and the short of it, short of it is I might be going back to that really expensive gym here soon. Get myself remotivated. I see the same thing in recovery. Same thing, um, same thing. I see people not have enough skin in the game. Yep. 100%. And maybe their parents are enabling them yep. or paying too much and making it too easy for them. And and I also see it with people struggle in and out. They get some sobriety, go back out. Get some sobriety. And it get, seems to get harder for people to get re-motivated like it was in the beginning. It's harder. Because because we become willing participants in our own distractions. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, one of, you asked me at the beginning, one of the people that I follow, Ed Milet, that's one thing he talks about is like li- limiting those distractions, you know, that, that we participate in 85% of our own distractions and it blocks us from what we're trying to do. And I do think water seeks its own level. You're going to be similar to who you spend time with. 100%. 100%. I absolutely agree with that. We hang out with people in recovery, through the steps, sponsoring, unless yep. they're newcomers and, you know, we're pulling yep. them into the fold. But I think it's so important that I'm around people that force me to grow. I hang out with winners. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like if you look at like the top ten people that that I communicate, like I I even question something like, how am I in this group? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I in this group of people right. talking about these sort of things? Like, who am I? Here's an example: when I was I was 18 months sober when I moved here and I was dating Donnie, and I had not had a driver's license or mm-hmm. social security card yeah. or a real job, all these things. And I remember going to dinner with him, and he's got a nice career. Yeah. We go to dinner with all these successful people in recovery, and they look at me, and they're like, so what do you do? And I just made a joke about myself. I said, I fold his underwear. You know, I, I didn't even know how to answer that at right. 18 months sober. Right. But now today, if I'm at dinner and people ask me what I do, I have a real Sit answer. Back. God's taken me some places. <laughs> Sit down. Let me tell you. And, and it's so cool. I get goosebumps thinking about it because yeah. I would have never guessed this life for me five years ago. Oh, it's same way. I mean, I've, you know, I've blessed, you know, I have people consistently reaching out to me because I recovered very out loud today that knew me 10 years ago Mm -hmm. and they, and they see what I'm doing today. Mm -hmm. And again, we're miracles, right? There's no question about it. I mean, you shouldn't be here. I I shouldn't be here. I should have been dead or locked up a long time ago, Yeah, 
But for some reason, I wasn't ready to be taken away. Yeah. Um, we and have I've, a purpose. We have a path. I have a, I have a purpose today. Yeah. And, and and I have a platform. And it doesn't mean doing a radio show or right, things right, right. like that. But I have a platform which I can hopefully spark some change. Mm-hmm. So somebody might just ask themselves, why not me? Right. I Along that same line, I, I told you I went to five treatment centers. And when I was at the fifth treatment center, there was a guy that came to speak. Don't remember his name. But we were in hospital, so we all had uh, the bracelet, the hospital mm, yeah. bracelet. It was yellow. And I remember him kind of like, not yelling mean, but just like raising his voice saying, look at the date on your yellow bracelet. You're in treatment. Look at the date. That's the date you got sober. It could be your date forever. It could be you. Why not you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And because although the... the Treatment statistics are horrible for sobriety, generally, 8% stay sober. Sure. Um, I thought, why can't I be in that 8%? What do I need to do to be in that 8%? Yeah, what do I have to do? Well, I got to get uncomfortable. <laughs> I had and to get I, uncomfortable and work I gotta some get steps. On, I got to get, get honest. Mm-hmm. I got to do some real uncomfortable work. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, as we start getting spiritually connected again, mm-hmm. just having faith and you just surrender the outcome. Because yeah. I'm not going to win everything. If I'm winning everything, I'm not growing. Right, right. There, there, there's... There's nothing to gain and from winning all the time. And if everything was good in my life all the time, I would never have a reason to seek God. I wouldn't spiritually grow then Man, either. I love having problems today. <laughs> Cheerfully capitalize. I hate that line in the book, yes. right? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I embrace having real mm-hmm. problems today because yeah. I've got a skill set to be able to deal with it today. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not in, I'm not in this war anymore. Yeah. I'm not in this war in my head. Yeah. But it took a lot of practice. Yeah. It's not just, oh, I'm going to do this on Mondays, Wednesdays, and perhaps on Fridays. Mm-hmm. No. I mean, our our fellowship, our, our, our 12-step recovery program tells me I got to do this stuff daily. Daily, yeah. And so when we go back to, well, I'm not a time traveler, so I can't go back in time. No. I can't go forward in time. Nope. Otherwise, I'd be sitting. Yet, well, I'd be betting maybe. horse races and all <laughs> kinds of things from my, t- you know, from my right. phone if I had that ability. Um, I could buy a lot of Louis Vuitton purses with that. Elon Musk is probably right. on to that. Exactly, to but but I can't do that today. So the only thing I have any right sort now. of control over is just now. And me, not other right. people. <laughs> Whoa, shocking! That was the most painful and awesome realization: is realizing it's not my job to change other people, and the fact that I want to is the problem. The ego deflation yes. is exactly what I needed. Huge yeah. ego, low self-esteem. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Maybe I can't explain this or ask this in the proper way, but I would like to better understand how your mindset that we're talking about today, I, I want to talk about the differences between a self-reliance mindset versus a spiritual reliance mindset. And I don't even know how to word this properly because here's my thing. I'm kind of I'm kind of judgmental, as you know. No. And I feel like if self-help worked, We'd go to the library and there'd be one flippin' self-help book on the self-help shelf. And we'd all read it and we'd all do it. But our perspectives aren't the same. And so, aren't the same. Right. And so I, I know we have two minutes till this break, yeah. but I want to talk about how you incorporate spiritual... Because our literature says self-reliance fails us utterly. Mm-hmm. So this idea that I can just want to be sober, awareness of my drug addiction, decide to be sober... Not enough. Not enough. Not enough. We need some supernatural something else going on. I just got to be willing to believe. Yeah. And 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 it doesn't happen overnight. But but I, I believed in God every time I put a needle in my arm. That wasn't enough either. There's see, something see, I more. Didn't, I didn't believe in God when I, I got did. sober. Well, Neither I knew that there Donnie. was something, but I, it didn't work for me. Yeah. The book says that faith alone is insufficient. Willing to believe is, is the foundation of step two. But there's something much more profound for a life alteration change to occur way past the idea of step two. 
because what I practiced today grew stronger. Mm-hmm. And that's where that spiritual growth just happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because yeah. I didn't have it at day 18 or day 186, right? For instance, let me give you an example. Yeah. I want I, sh- I should go work out. I know we got one minute. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I want to go work out because I know... I should take care of this temple. I'm 40 years old. It's not going to look like this. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like skin is changing. Things are sagging. I feel like I need to. And I smoke. I vape. I quit cigarettes, but I vape. I smoke nicotine. How How do I change a mindset and be like, I'm stopping this or I'm going to exercise versus how do I include a spiritual supernatural power to help me achieve that? I know that's like a really loaded question and I got to cut to break so be thinking about that in a break because i would like to figure out what the difference is how how to ask god to help me challenge almost (laughs) accepted don't go anywhere (laughs) we'll be right back Welcome back. You're listening to Relevant Recovery Radio. This show is sponsored by the Matthews Hope Foundation. We have a two-week detox inside St. Joseph and two years of recovery coach and free aftercare. If you would like any information about our program, you can go to our website, which is www.mhdrp.org, mahurberder.org, or give us a call at 844-263-4673. In studio is my good friend David. We're talking about Mind is a terrible thing to waste. Sure is. Let's not waste our minds. Absolutely. So we were, I proposed a question and I don't know if it's even more philosophical or spiritual in nature, but the note I wrote to myself is to ask you about what is a mindset plus spiritual principles versus without. Wow. (laughs) Loaded. Um, You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of complexities in this statement alone, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to break it down because if you, if if you look at it as an entirety, oh, that's overwhelming. I can't do that. Boom. Shut down. Fixed, fixed mindset. I can't do that because I can't relate to those things. Okay. So I think when you break it down into smaller sections, into measurables, right? My sponsor always says that. What is measurable progress, Heather? Because I'll say, I want to make progress. What is measurable progress? Well, for me, the only way I've figured out how to measure progress is I have to see it. And not just Uh see it in the physical. See, my mind has to see it, Mm -hmm. which means I have to write it down. Yeah. So I've got to develop a a list. I've got to to take those things. We talked about the gym stuff, right? How do I do it? Make the list. Yeah. I don't want to make the list. Well, that well, the, the, well then that's a whole nother that's topic. That's a whole problem. We'll do willingness next week, right? But but that's how you start. Yeah, yeah. You start with a list. You have to develop a plan because when when if you have a goal, right, and you mm-hmm. want you have a goal. All right, I want to get physically healthy, yeah. right? Okay. I want thigh gap. But David. where where I do want you, thigh gap? Where do you get into the middle, right? So you <laughs> you got to develop a plan, even if it's just starting. I'm gonna walk 15 minutes today. Yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat a little bit healthier. Yeah. And then what am I going to do? Being very methodical. So I work in on the compliance end in healthcare. So yeah, very, sleep. very methodical, <laughs> very, very structured way of thinking things. Yeah. Everything's, you know, laid out, right? I like that organization of it though. But our lives have to way. be that same way, especially, yeah. see, I, I hated organization because mm-hmm. I ran on self-will yeah. that my way is good. What do I need a list for? Because I'm going to do it better than you're going to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't need that. But the truth is, you do. I need that structure. Mm-hmm. Our, our our fellowship tells us that we are structured and undisciplined people. Yeah. 
hundred percent. I think making the list is the beginning of the discipline. Am I willing to be disciplined? Am I willing to Are be Are you just willing to write the list? Yeah, yeah. Guess what? You can change the list. Here's the question I always pondered, though, and I know this is our last segment, but when I think about change, life-changing things, I'm always kind of curious if God is waiting on me to take some action versus... I'm ju- I can just sit back and let God supernaturally boop the situation. And I think that it's a mesh of the both as much as I practiced it today. Has to be. There are things that God is waiting on me to do so that I'm opening the door for his supernatural action to boop my life and make some change. Because the book talks about the change that we experience with this spiritual program. We accomplish in weeks what regular methods could not accomplish in years. Sure. It is a profound because something. Because it's based on action. It's based on action and spirituality. Right. Things I couldn't, but but at the beginning, like because I was not, I I I wasn't religious, nor was I spiritual. I I don't know what I was. Donnie Donnie was militant atheist, you know, but he did the things, he did the action. I just did the action, and then it just sort of happened. Mm -hmm. I got okay, maybe there is something greater than me (laughs) on the planet that might know something better, yeah. right? And our fellowship talks about, well, it can't be another person. Yeah. Okay, good, because I already think I'm smarter than everybody else. Me too. So that's good. <laughs> so that was a plus, <laughs> right? I know you were smarter than everybody else too. I know. I am. Welcome to the room. <laughs> I, li- I always say I live in a claustrophobic kingdom of one. Right. Me, myself, and I over yes, here. Yes, I rule. Um, But yeah, it's... I love this program that we are in, yeah. the fellowship that we are in. It has shown me painful awareness of myself oh, that sure. I never had before. We take and the blinders off. I had because to. Because I got real. I couldn't I was able to continue. look at myself for the first time mm-hmm. and A, A, just accept the fact how sick I was. Yeah. Because I didn't think I was sick. Yeah. I had some issues. I just thought, you know, if I could just get drugs out of my life, everything would be fine. Problem? Nope. I've got a problem? Mm-hmm. No, I don't have a problem. <laughs> well, that with that self, self-examination uh-huh. of writing all the things that mm-hmm. were not good in my life. Yeah. Oh. See, because when it was just in my head, I could manipulate that. Yeah. So when I wrote it down, I realized that's actually the magic how of pen un- to paper. By the way, exactly. That's why we write a write inventory. That's, that's why we write an inventory. Yeah. That's why we develop a plan. We develop a list because we have measurables within it. And I know that that's how we chart progress for people that are listening in the program. They know what we're talking about when we say write inventory and stuff. But it's step four, fear, fearless and searching moral inventory where we write resentments and then fear and then sex inventory to really take an honest look at ourselves. The book says on top of 64 that we have to find out what is in me that blocks me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had tons of spiritual and mental blocks of this fixed mindset stuff going yep. on. And when I wrote my first four step and did my five, um, at first it was sad because I was really uncomfortably aware of how much blame was on me for some stuff. Like, I don't want to keep writing. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God, that's how I showed up in that marriage. Oh my God, that's how I've treated my mom. Yeah. Like I'd always justified it in my mind before. Like you said, when I got it on paper, using the format that the literature gives us, you really take a look at it. But what I love about our program is then it gives us actionable directions. A blueprint. Yeah, to fix it. An automatic blueprint (laughs) to transform your life. They call it house cleaning, four through nine, friends. And it's like when I did some of those amends, I think that's where I really started to shift my mindset because I didn't believe I could be nice to my poor mom every day for the rest of my life. I didn't think my mom and I would ever have a relationship. Right. um, Because I didn't really care for her Mm -hmm. and I knew she didn't really care for me. 
But the truth was that we both really care for one another, yeah, but yeah, we still have to have, and, and, and we have a very healthy relationship today yeah. with a lot of good boundaries. Yeah. Um, is it perfect? But but what's perfect? No human is perfect. But, but what's perfect? No relationship right? is but, perfect. But we're exactly where we need to mm-hmm. be today. Yeah, and th- and that's that's all we can ask. My for. mom has uh, paranoid schizophrenia. Yeah, and she's Pentecostal, yep. so it's real Ooh, weird it's combo. Fun, fun combo. And When's that TV show? <laughs> there should be one. <laughs> right. And uh, and I love her to death. She's the nicest lady, but she's very paranoid. Has lots of intense conversation she wants to have and i had to learn how to set kind boundaries and guess what you can't change her i can't change her that was the beauty but of you could change how you think about it i react and respond right? it, like chuck c the book a new pair of glasses i through this program through this work through these actions that i've taken over the years i began to see her completely differently through a new lens through a whole new lens yeah and all of a sudden her weird because guess what you had the ability to put on a new pair of glasses i put on a new pair of glasses and i haven't yelled at or been mean to my mom in six years which yeah. is a miracle yeah i didn't have that ability same same way and um but i did have to stick to my boundaries yeah uh there's certain things when she calls or you know um, well that's about someone else i'm not going to gossip let's talk about your day yeah and i had to figure out how to politely set those boundaries to steer that relationship within the bounds of something i could be 100 percent. i need to be the daughter she deserves not i couldn't feed into that uh-huh. that that sickness because i can't control it right but what's my part? I can use this set of tools that I've been given mm-hmm. and let it and how it profoundly guides my life today. Yeah. Or I can start acting on some self-will and I can get into some conflict and get into some warfare. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? That's bad news. The line in the book that says, as in war, the victor only seemed to win. That's how I lived. I got Never my won. way, but I paid huge prices <sighs> for getting my way. Right. Win at all costs. <laughs> No matter if it destroyed everyone, <laughs> everyone and everything around me. Step on toes of our yes. fellows and they retaliate. You know, I think that when it comes to changing our mind, there's lots of different ways people need to look at, you know, how they eat, their eating habits or sure. their exercise habits or their nicotine habits or their drug and alcohol, but also relationally, like we've just been talking mm-hmm. about, of how we treat people and uh, how we show up for others and how we give. And I think this is just such an important thing for us to start looking at so we can be intentional and we just have to try there's thousands of resources out there just find one just go try just go through a series of them if you like some take what you like out of it leave the rest behind right right. right? but again it's just that little bit of willingness can transform anyone's life Mm -hmm. no matter what's going on quickly i find fast (laughs) yeah surprisingly fast but then that's the thing don't get complacent don't get comfortable with oh i'm fix yeah yeah i'm healed no seek and stay in a growth mindset david thank great you things will come. so much thank i've, you, I've thoroughly enjoyed this, this conversation today we'll have you on again in the future um this has been relevant recovery radio don't forget those who stand for nothing will fall for anything hashtag god though love it <laughs>